Hey, you're listening to the C3 Network Podcast with Dan Holland. Our mission is to create a network of micro churches that are finding, teaching, and equipping people to be on mission. Our hope is that this encourages you. Be sure to leave us a review so you can help us share our message with more people who need to hear it. And now, Dan Holland. Hello and welcome. So we're in Ephesians 3 today, and we're in a section that I think is going to really resonate with us as a network of microchurches. You know, as we go through the books of the Bible and study letters to churches in the New Testament, what we see is it's always incredibly helpful and relevant. But sometimes it's like it's written just for us. And this is one of those passages that could be written just for us. And Paul's prayer for the Ephesians would really be my prayer for us. Let's check it out. Chapter 3, beginning with verse 14. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long And high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now, what we just read is powerful stuff. It's, it's game-changing stuff. And you know it's true. You pray to God because he loves you and he wants to do immeasurably more through you and this network. People who at one time lived in opposition to God and at opposition with one another, they're called to come together to serve as this new dwelling place of God, the temple of the Holy Spirit. As the new dwelling place of God, they were to live with one another and live out their calling so well that the name of God would be glorified. It's what Paul prayed in verse 21. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And that's a tall order. It was for them. It is for us. In fact, this calling drove Paul to his knees. That's that's why it starts out. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. To get a sense of how emotionally invested Paul is in this prayer, think about it this way. Paul's not just praying like a student who needs to get a C on the final to keep his A in the class. No, he's praying like the kid who needs an A minus on the final just to be able to graduate with his classmates. There's some serious prayer going on right here. Paul's prayer isn't just for the Ephesians. You see, it's for us. The way he says it, I'm praying that you get how wide and long, high, deep is the love of Christ. It's so big and so vast that it surpasses knowledge. But I want you to know this love. That's the way he says it. Listen, love is powerful. And there is no love as powerful as the love of God. If there was one thing the Apostle Paul knew, it was, it's going to take this love, God's love to truly transform a diverse group of people into what they were now being called to be. It starts with everybody knowing how much God loves them. Paul prayed that everybody would grasp, that's the word he uses, the enormity of God's love for every person. Let that sink in for just a moment, especially those of you feeling maybe a little unloved because of what you're missing in your marriage 
or because of what you never received from your parents. You, yes, you are loved by the God who is the father of all families. You know, the prophet Jeremiah reminds us that we will always be loved because he has loved us with an everlasting love. Please understand it, that it's possible to be possessed by God's love, but not totally comprehend that love. In fact, Paul says that will always be the reality. He said, I want you to know this love that surpasses understanding. Understanding the love of God is sort of like understanding math. You, you know, you'll never know all there is to know, but you can continue to gain new insight for the rest of your life. Here's the point. Most of us live in the daily experience of God's love, but there's so much more yet to be discovered about this love that is greater than any other love. I hope you find this really exciting. Do you grasp how much God loves you? You may not totally understand it, but if we believe what Jesus said, think about it. He said, for God so loved us that he sent his one and only son. If we just take God at his own word, if we just picture God how he describes himself in the Bible, as a rejected lover in Hosea, as a nursing mother in Isaiah, as a loving dad who loves to give his kids gifts, that's the book of Luke, as a shepherd laying down his life for his sheep, just to name a few. As Jesus says, there is no greater love than to lay down your life for someone. It's unconditional love, and it's the love that God has for you and me. And that's the prayer. Paul wants us to grasp the love of God, its depth, its height, its length, its width. There's another part of this prayer I want us to get. There's another key word in this passage. In fact, there are two key words in this passage that are both used three times. One is love, and we just talked about that. The other word is power. It's the Greek word dunamis, which is where we get the word dynamite from. And what he says about this power in Ephesians, verse 16 was that it's power through his spirit. In verse 20, according to his power at work within us. You know, one of the biggest things we need, but we lack today as Christians is power. Power to overcome obstacles, power to turn down temptation, power to control our thoughts, power just to make it through a day. And one of the biggest problems we have is that we consistently are trying to run off our own power instead of the power that's available from him. Earlier in the letter, Paul tried to describe how powerful God's power is. He wrote that it's incomparably great. In other words, there's nothing I can compare it to except for one thing, and that's when he said, that power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him in the heavenly realms and placed all things under his feet. You know, when I think of power, I think about race cars. I recently had the opportunity to drive a race car at the Daytona 500 Speedway. It was my gift from my wife, and I have relived that experience over and over. So the car I drove had 650 horsepower. Here's me in the car, number 39. May show a couple pics. I might show three or four, who knows? It had a governor that capped out the engine at 5,000 RPMs. Did you guys know that race cars don't have speedometers? You drive based on, among other things, the RPM gauge. It's, it's fascinating. But the car's a four-speed, and before you get to the end of pit row, you need to be in fourth gear and, the speed, and running at a speed greater than 96 miles per hour, that allows you to get on the track and on to turn one. It's 
such a rush of adrenaline. And everybody asked me, well, were you in the car alone? Yes, I was in the car alone. I had a spotter up in the stands telling me what to do and warning me whenever a professional driver was about to pass, which happened on several occasions. On the next to the last lap, my spotter came on the radio and he said, now that you're comfortable, I want you to push the car to 4,500 RPMs. In fact, run it until it begins to shake and then back off a little bit. And as you come out onto the backstretch, I want you to hold it there at that speed all the way through the turns, don't let up. Now, I share the story because before driving that car, I didn't fully comprehend or appreciate just how fast and powerful these cars are. I must tell you that I have a newfound appreciation for race car drivers who drive literally inches away, if even that far, from each other at speeds between 130 and 200 miles per hour. And whether we're talking about NASCAR or Formula One, the people that drive those cars are impressive at what they do. Before driving a few laps, I would joke that all they do is drive around in circles. After driving on the speedway, I have an entirely new appreciation for racing. See, what Paul is praying for is that we have an entirely new appreciation for the power of God in our lives. Hey, just as a side note, as much as I enjoyed the experience and talked about it with Beth, she said she didn't think it qualified me to add professional race car driver on my LinkedIn bio. So I haven't yet. But here's the deal. By comparison, most of us, when it comes to our spiritual lives, we're not fully engaged, engaged in the power of God's love. In fact, if our lives were race cars, we'd still be considered in pit row, looking really good, but not in the race. We lack the power that we need to get in the race or to live the life. But what Paul's praying and what God's saying is, I've got the power. I've got what you need. You don't have to do this on your own, so quit trying. Quit trying to make it on your own power and being frustrated that you can't and connect with me because I'm more than enough dunamis, dynamite, power, it's in me. To truly begin to understand the love of God, you have to take hold of his love and allow his love to take hold of you. So how do we take greater hold of God's love or better yet, how do we allow God's love to take greater hold of us? And Paul says that we must allow Christ to take up full residence in our heart. Ephesians chapter 3 in verse 16, that's where Paul says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, there's two very similar Greek verbs that are translated as dwell. One means to inhabit a place as a stranger or visitor. The second means to settle down permanently. And it's that second verb that Paul uses in this text. His prayer is for all believers to make Christ through faith completely at home in their hearts. You know, sometimes you may feel unloved, but it's not because God doesn't love you as much as the next person. It's because, well, it's because you don't love yourself enough to deal with the junk in your life that keeps Christ feeling like a stranger in your heart. So the obvious question is this, is there anything in your life that would make Christ feel unwelcome? Bad attitude, hidden sin, absence of faith, you name it. In our relationship with God, our goal isn't to get closer to God. Let that sink in. It's to be obedient to God. The goal isn't proximity here, it's obedience. 
The more at home Christ is in our hearts, the greater his ability to direct our lives. But when Christ feels unwelcome in our hearts, we miss out on a full experience of his love. God doesn't require you to be highly educated or even hugely gifted. You know that. All God needs is someone who is willing to let him in. In the end, God doesn't want all of my time or money or even my attention. You know what he wants? He wants me. He wants me to be fully consecrated to him. When God has me, then he can bless me. God doesn't want more of me. He wants all of me. I'm going to say that again. God doesn't want more of me. He wants all of me. He asks for a total, all-in commitment, no half-hearted, sitting on the sidelines, waiting to see how the game progresses. Nope. All in. Why not give him control and see what he'll do? So Paul prayed for them because God's plan was radical. He was taking a diverse group of people. He was creating one new man. He was building them into a temple in which God lived through his spirit. And Paul knew that God could accomplish this. He knew that. He knew the only way for this to happen would be if each person grasped how much God loves them and tapped into that power. So how are you doing with this? It's not really how you think you're doing. What really matters, I think, is how God thinks you're doing. If God showed up right now where you live, what would he say? You know, this is interesting. The Ephesians found out what God thought. Six or seven years after Paul wrote the letter of Ephesians to them, John had a revelation in which he saw that Jesus was among the churches in chapter one, Revelation one. But in Revelation two, Jesus is walking, Jesus is walking among them, observing their deeds and assessing their motives. If Jesus walked among you, if Jesus observed your deeds, our deeds, if Jesus called out your motives, what would he say? What would he compliment? What would he criticize? Well, let's look at Revelation chapter two, verse one through seven, and listen to what he said to the Ephesian church. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Wow. As it turns out, Jesus compliments the Ephesian Christians for their good deeds, their hard work, and their perseverance. And then Jesus criticized them. He said, you have forsaken your first love. Now, there are some interpreters that think this refers to the love that they had for Christ when they were new converts. In the context, however, it refers mainly to their love for one another, which Christ had said was the hallmark for all his disciples. He criticized them because while they did good deeds, worked hard, and persevered, they no longer loved one another the way they used to. Interesting. In rooting out error and expelling false teachers, they had grown suspicious of one another. Their good deeds were now motivated by duty rather than love. And here's the question that comes to mind, at least for me. If Jesus walked among you, uh, us, if Jesus observed our deeds, if Jesus called out our motives, what would he say? Again, what would he compliment? What would he criticize? There's much we cannot do 
for one another. We can't take away struggle. We can't keep each other from all the hurt. We can't take away all the loneliness, but this we can do. We can love one another with the love that God has shown us. If we're going to do this, if we're going to do it well, then we better imitate Paul in taking a knee, pleading with God to enable us through the power of his spirit to grasp just how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And here's what I want us to do as we close. I want to give God a chance to help us because my guess is some of us are running on our own power. We're running out of power. We're stressed. We're hurting, barely hanging on, or at least headed that direction because we're trying to do life on our own. But what if, what if instead of running on empty, you were filled to the full measure with all the fullness of God? What a difference. What if instead of running on your own power and running out of steam, you were tapped into an endless power source that could get you through whatever life threw at you? That's the prayer. Strengthened through his spirit in your inner being where you need it the most. His power at work within us, that's what we need. Why not ask God for some help? He's here. He's right there with you. He's with me. He's already promised that. Let's just give God a chance to be glorified in our lives. And like Paul, this is my prayer for us, that you'll know this love and that you'll show this love. You know, it's easy to look around, but it's hard to look inside. And myself, I'm talking about. Do I, do I know this love? Do I get it? Do I know it? And do I show it? Am I rooted and established in love? Is that the foundation of my faith? Am I filled to the full measure of all the fullness of God? Do I love like God or am I still very self-centered? Does Christ dwell in my heart by faith? If you need some power in your life, maybe it's power over temptation or the power to say no, the power to overcome. If you need power to accomplish, to do something that you can't do on your own, maybe power over pain. A lot of us live in chronic pain, physical or emotional pain. Maybe you need power to forgive something that you can't do on your own, but you need to do it to be free. God's got the power. Maybe you need power in a relationship, power to say or do the right thing that just seems so hard, power to be humble, power to say, I'm sorry, power to confess. If you need power today, would you just tell somebody right there with you so that you guys can, you pray together. Please don't be embarrassed. You're, you're human and you're asking God for help. It's the best thing that we could do. What I'd like to do in closing is I would like to pray over you the prayer from Ephesians chapter 3. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in his church 
and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. To him be the glory in the church. That's the goal for all believers, to bring him glory. That's what we should be working towards and striving towards. To him be glory in the church. As we come together and let him do his thing in and through us, he gets the glory. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for tuning in. If you like this podcast, we post a new episode each week. So be sure to subscribe and leave us a review so you can help share our message. We'll see you next time.